Uh, my name is Jeff Brookshire, and I am the leadership development pastor here at Crossroads, and I brought with me today $100 in $1 bills. <laughs> so, somebody's happy. So suppose today that uh, while we were going through the service, a woman came in to the auditorium. And imagine she told us that um, her husband, about three weeks ago, left her without any indication, just left her and her two kids, one three and the other one. Now, she was a stay-at-home mom, and she's willing to go to work. She's willing to do that, to make a living for her family now. But um, the cost of child care is so astronomical that she's not sure how she's going to juggle everything, how she's going to be able to work and make enough money to pay for child care and for all the other bills that she's going to have. So she comes into our auditorium today, and she's simply asking for one thing. She's just asking for some groceries. That's all she wants. She's just asking us to give her some money for groceries so that she can feed her children. All right? How many of you would think me generous if I had her stand before us and all I did was put my hand over her and pray, Lord, I pray that you would give this dear woman some food. I pray that you would bless her with groceries. I pray this in Jesus' name. And then I said goodbye to her and just had her leave with just saying a prayer. How many of you would think me generous for only praying for her? I agree. In fact, the Bible agrees. The Apostle James says this, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? So if I have this $100 in my pocket, and all I do is pray for her but not try to help her in her physical needs, then the Bible says that's not enough. But my question to you today is this. How much of this $100 do I need to give to her for you to consider me to be generous? How much? I want you to think of a number right now, zero to 100. I want you to think of a number. You got a number? Okay, here we go. How many of you would think me generous if I gave her one to $9? How many of you think if I would be generous for giving her 10%, giving her $10? How many would think me generous if it was 11 to 20? Okay. 21 to 30. I sound like an auctioneer here. 31 to 40. 41 to 50. 51 to 60. 61 to 70. 71 to 80. 81 to 90. 91 to 99. How many of you would only think me generous if I gave the whole $100 to her? Anybody? Okay. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you say that if I gave her the whole $100, that still wouldn't be generous enough? That what I need to do is to come alongside of her, to help her find a good-paying job, to help her find good child care, to help her uh, develop a budget? How many of you say that you would only find me generous if I did that? See, friends, today we are in this series called Generous Giver. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to discover 
just how incredible our great and glorious God is as a generous giver to us. We're trying to recognize that and then figure out how we can respond to his generosity. Several years ago, I was at a a pastor's retreat. It was just for pastors. It was in Michigan on the shores of Lake Michigan. I don't know if you've ever been to Lake Michigan, but it's a lot like the ocean. You can see water for miles and miles. It's not like um, Lanier or Hartwell where you see the other shore. It's just you see water for miles and miles and miles. There's waves like the ocean. There's sand on the shore. There's seabirds. It's a lot like the ocean except it doesn't have salt and it doesn't have sharks, which I like when I get into Lake Michigan. But I was at this retreat and I decided that I was... um, that I was going to skip one of the sessions because it was such a beautiful day, and I just wanted to spend some one-on-one time with God. So I went down to the shore, and I didn't go out on the sand. I stayed in the, in the trees. Uh, there's a lot of trees on the shore before you reach the sand. And I just sat there, and I watched these big, puffy, white clouds meandering across the blue sky. And I listened to the birds singing their love songs to one another, and I could feel the coolness of the grass underneath my bare feet. I just enjoyed the day. It was in the midst of that that I then was taught by God that of one of his gifts. I was taught about the gift of my eyes. Now, I know that seems kind of strange, but I'd never really thought about it before. I'd never really thought of it because I've always taken it for granted that I had eyesight and was able to see the glories of what God has created. But he taught me, he said, listen, you're not only able to see light and shapes. You know, like, like those who are macroevolutionists believe that, that somehow we climbed out of the primordial goo and then some point we felt like there was light around us and then we developed a light spot that developed into this complex eye. For me, that takes, forgive the pun, blind faith to believe that. So he was teaching me, he was like, I created your eyes so that you could see my glory, see the things that I created. And he talked about how he's not just able to see light and able to see shapes, but I was able to see the colors that he created. The thing that is awesome about God is that when he created color, he didn't just create a red and a blue and a green and a yellow. He created a spectrum of reds, a spectrum of blues, a spectrum of yellows. Before the service, (laughs) um, I was talking to Mike Holden up here, and he was telling me uh, that he works at Kroger, and one day he had to stock in the uh, cosmetics area. And he didn't realize how many red lipsticks there really were to try and figure out where it went, right? I mean, if you go into a paint store and you ask them for blue paint, they're going to go, what blue, right? There is a spectrum, a whole palette of blues that God has given us. That God has created these colors, these incredible colors, and he's given us the ability to distinguish them, to see them. I was sitting out yesterday on my patio, first thing in the morning with a cup of coffee. Um, I broke the cup, by the way. But I was sitting out there with my cup of coffee, and um, I was just looking at my wife's flower garden. She has a big flower garden in our backyard. I was looking at the yellows and and the reds and the purples, 
and the blues, and I was sitting there looking at this, and I was thinking about God's glory and helped me see this, but then he pointed me towards the greens. And I was looking at all these different greens that were in the flower garden because God has given us this wonderful ability to see all these different colors that he's given us. He is a generous giver. He's given us the ability to see his gifts. Then he turned me to attention to my nose. And I realized that God did not have to give us noses. There could be just a flat spot there, and we would still live because we could breathe through our mouths. But he gave us noses so that we could smell all of the wonderful aromas that God has created. Now, these aromas didn't just happen. God, in his creativity, decided that there would be smell and created all of these different smells. Smells like chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven. A freshly cut orange, right? A cologne or perfume on the person that you love. God has created all these different smells, and it wasn't enough for him just to create the smells. He wanted us to experience them. So he gave us the nose to breathe. I, I could go on and on. He taught me about feeling, that he's given us the ability to feel different textures. He's given us the ability to hear all the different sounds that God has created. And you think about it, there's a lot of them. That God's created all these different sounds. And he's given us the ability to hear them. He's given us a tongue so that we can taste. God didn't have to do that. If he didn't give us the ability to taste, we'd know no different. We would just eat so that we could survive. But now he gave us tongues so that we could enjoy what we're eating, so that we can enjoy all the different tastes. Our God is a generous giver. He has given us so many wonderful and glorious things. The greatest gift that he's ever given us is in John 3, 16, 17. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love that phrase. God did not send Jesus into this world to condemn us. He sent his son to save us. Friends, listen, God is a generous giver. When you look through God's eyes, if you really take the time and look through God's eyes, God's holy eyes, eyes that are without sin, without imperfection, eyes that are glorious, if you look through God's eyes and look at our world around us, what do you see? You see a world that is a mess of sin. Now, we get kind of used to it. We've grown up in it. And we get kind of used to sin being in the world. But it's, God never gets used to that. It's a mess. It's not what God wanted it to be in creation. If you look at the world through the eyes of the Holy Word of God, the Bible, you will see that this world is a literal Mess. In fact, I was thinking about this this morning when I was watching the news. They were showing all these different murders that had happened over the weekend and all this bad stuff that's going on. And I thought, you know what? That's just the highlights of sin. There's a whole lot of other stuff that's going on underneath the surface, right? Every day, every single one of us, me included. 
We live in a world that is a mess of sin. And if I was God, and you could thank God I am not God, I'm not sure that I would put up with it. When I created something that was beautiful and I'm giving all these good gifts to my children and then for them to do things like start new religions that worship false gods or promise ways to salvation in paradise after death or looking at ways in which people outwardly declare there is no God and then curse his holy name. When I look at that kind of stuff, I'm thinking, you know what, if I was God, I might just kind of wipe the slate clean and go to another solar system on another planet and start all over again. With all the mess that this world is into, well, I might just give up on them. But God in his grace and his mercy and his love has not given up on us. Rather, he sent us a savior, not one to condemn us, but one to save us from this situation because God is a generous giver. Friend, God has given us this gift of Jesus and he holds it out to us and he says, if you will believe, receive the gift. Now, you don't have to receive every gift that is handed to you, right? If you're at work and you know that there is, um, let's say, a guy that has a thing for you and he buys you an expensive gift and gives it to you and you open it and you look at it and you realize it's very expensive and you're married, you don't receive that gift, do you? You just kind of push it, push it away. Or if you're allergic to cats and somebody gives you a cat, do you accept that gift? Of course not. You just pass it away. God has given us the opportunity with the free will to decide whether we receive his gift or reject it. And those who receive his generous gift are given eternity in heaven, forgiveness for their sins, and salvation from hell. That's what they get when they receive that gift because God is a generous giver. In our first service, there were four people who were baptized, four Four people who are baptized because they received that gift. They accepted it. They received the gift, and now today they walk as citizens of heaven, being free from their sin, free from their condemnation, and knowing that someday they will walk the streets of heaven. God is a generous giver. And God calls all of us to be generous like him. He doesn't just give out good gifts, but he says to his children, those of you who have received the gift, come and follow me and be like me. Be generous as I am generous. So today I just want to talk a little bit about how you can be generous, how you can be generous like God. What are the characteristics of generous people? And the first thing is, is if you want to become generous, generous people know who owns what. They know who owns what. The scripture says this, the earth is the what? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So let me ask you, on the face of this planet, 
What falls outside of his ownership? Nothing. Nothing at all. God owns it all. Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Naked I came, naked I'll leave. I came into the world with nothing. I can't take it with me when I leave, although people get buried with their possessions all the time. You know, you hear about people getting buried in their cars. You know, you can't take it with you where you're going. Naked I came, naked I shall depart. In Ecclesiastes 3.20, it says, All come from dust, and to dust all return. We all came from the same materials of the earth. That's what our body is made up of, the materials of the earth. And our bodies will return to the dust, to the earth, someday. So the point here is, is that God is saying that he owns everything. That before you were born, God owned the trees, right? God owned the trees that was fashioned into lumber, that was put into studs in your home to provide structure and shape. And God will own that wood long after you die. God is the owner of that wood. God is the owner of your home. God is the owner of the iron ore that was mined from the ground, smelted in the furnace. God is the owner of the coke and the carbon and the limestone that is added to that iron ore that makes steel, that is stamped into the shape of your vehicle that came here today. And God will own those materials long after you and I die. God is the owner of everything. And generous people get that. They understand that we do not own a single thing. Now, we think we do, right? This is where people will say to me, Jeff, you don't realize how much hard work I put into getting the money that I have and the possessions that I have. You don't know how much time and sweat and blood I put into getting this stuff. This stuff is mine. Well, friend, what I ask you is this, is this. Who gave you a body to be able to work in the first place? Who, who gave you a mind to be able to think through what you need to do at work? God is the owner, the owner of absolutely everything. Generous people get this, and generous people also understand the second principle. Generous people know their role. They know their role is not to be an owner of their possessions and their money. They know that their role is to be a manager of those things, to manage it. They know that their role is to take what is given to them from God and manage it in such a way that glorifies God in heaven. I want to share with you a story today of a person that I believe is the second most generous person in all of the Bible, second only to Jesus. She's a woman who is unnamed. Listen to her story. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. 
They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So you could just see the scene, right? They're at the temple. There's these boxes where you could put the money in. And the rich people are like this. Look at how much money I'm given. Look at these large amounts. Look at all this dough that I'm putting into the offering. Look at me. And then here comes a poor widow who takes two small copper coins worth only a few cents and drops them in, giving everything that she had. Now, I will tell you that when she gave those two copper coins, it wasn't going to get her anywhere with people. She was not going to be invited to be chairman of the board, right? It was these people that were going to be invited to that. She was not going to get a whole wing of the temple named after her. It was these people who were going to get that. She was not going to be listed in the media as being one of the generous people in the world. It was these people who were going to get that. But what she got was an affirmation from Jesus that because she gave everything that she had, she gave more than anybody else because they gave a percentage of what they had she gave 100% of all that she had. He praised her because she exhibited before him something that he values more than anything else. That is faith and trust. Friend, that is what generous people do. Generous people understand what, who owns what, what their role is, and the generous people trust God to provide. They trust God to provide. When you think about it, this woman, she gave everything she had. And some people would say, well, that was foolish. At least you could have bought a little snack with those two small copper coins, those few cents. You could have bought a snack. But no. She gave everything, poured it in, and it was her way of saying, God, I put myself completely in your hands. I trust you to provide for my needs. Friend, today, I believe God is calling us to do the same. I'm not saying that when we pass the baskets that I want you to put everything you have in there, unless God's calling you to, but I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm saying is, is I'm encouraging you to give everything back to God, to place it back in his hands, and to see yourself not as an owner, but as a manager to see yourself as one who is managing the resources of God Almighty, to go all in. In fact, God tells us to test him on this. The only place in the Scripture where God tells us to test him, only place is in Malachi chapter 3. He says this, God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, so that we understand what we're talking about here, the tithe is 10% of what they have, 10%. The storehouse is a place where they're being spiritually fed. At this time, it was in the temple. It's the place where they're spiritually fed, that there may be food, Food is three different things. It is 
food which provided food for the poor through their offerings. It was food that was provided to the priests so that they could do their work, like today, food for our pastors that are paid. And spiritual food, food that was being passed out to people so they could understand how great and glorious God is and know him personally. The whole tithe is 10%. The storehouse is where you're we're being spiritually fed, and food is both spiritual food and physical food. And God says, test me. Bring the whole 10% of your income. Bring the whole 10% and test me on this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, test me in this. Now, friends, I want you to hear me very clearly. The tithe is not a church tax. If you feel like the tithe is a church tax, please don't give your tithe here. It is not a membership fee that if I become a member, then I've got a tithe because it's a membership fee. No. If that's the way that you feel, don't put your tithe in the baskets here. If you feel like it is a religious fee, don't put your tithe in the baskets here. The Bible says that we are to give joyfully because God loves a joyful, cheerful giver. That's what God wants. He doesn't want to have us give out of compulsion. He says, test me because I want you to see that I am trustworthy that you can trust me with everything you have, just like that widow did in the temple. You can trust me for my needs. Now, friend, my wife and I, Jill and I, we have tested the Lord in this. It took us a while in our marriage, but we finally tested him, and we found that he has been faithful in providing our needs. Not all our wants. We got more wants, don't we, honey? <laughs> right? But he's provided every single one of our needs and many of our wants. He has proved to be trustworthy because he is a generous giver. Now listen, I understand that that's a preacher telling you that. And you expect the preacher to tell you that. <laughs> I know, I've sat there. You expect the pastor's going to have to say that. So I asked somebody to come today to share how God has been faithful in their lives. I've asked Hope Holden to come. Would you welcome Hope? <laughs> Hope is married to Mike, have two kids. How old are they? Um, Claire is 10 and Caden just turned five. 10 and five, so you don't have your hands full at all. No. And uh, Hope is uh, the leader of the ladies' Bible study that meets on Tuesday mornings at uh, Natalie Moore's house. She's on the children's ministry, and greets. Yes, greets. All right. So, Hope, would you just kind of share with us a little bit about your story? Okay. First of all, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I'm really excited to be up here and just share with you what God has done in my life and the life of our family. Um, back, well, first of all, I wanted to read Psalm 105, verses 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing songs, psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. So there's God's blessings right there, giving us permission to praise him and thank him and talk about it with everyone. 
Um, and there's, there's tons of encouragement there in those verses of Scripture and through that chapter. Back in October, I'm sorry, August, Mike and I started talking about our tithe and what we needed to do as a family. We had been giving um, inconsistently, you know, $10 here, $25 here, just whatever we could give after we paid our bills, after we did what we wanted to do with what was left over. And beginning September 1st, we started tithing completely, um, exactly what we needed to give, and just, you know, just to see what God would do in our life and not knowing what was to come. You know, the verse that Jeff shared with us in Malachi about testing God was never even thought to me. I, I was always taught that you cannot test God, that you shouldn't test God, that God's going to give us, you know, and bless us as he sees fit, and that's that. And he does, but, you know, to give ourselves completely to him and trust him completely takes it to the next level. And that's what we did as a family because in November, November 4th, Mike was laid off. He was laid off of his job that he had had for over 10 years. And, you know, it was a significant amount of money that we had been making as a family and paying our bills. And we were like, what now? And um, I remember him telling me we need to keep tithing. We need to be faithful and just see what's going to happen. And we had, he would do odd jobs for people, or people would give us gift cards or things like that. And we were so faithful to trust God to get to tithe off of that. You know, we didn't go without food. We didn't go without, you know, gas in our car. May not have had the favorite snacks for the kids, but we were taken care of. Our bills were paid. And um, even Christmas, um, some members of our small group, came together and made sure that our kids had the best Christmas they've ever had. And that was a huge blessing. We had someone that doesn't go to the church pay Caden's preschool tuition. That We, we had no clue they did it anonymously. Um, I could go on and on at all the blessings that were outpoured to our family. And there were times that I was so burdened, and I didn't share it. I just prayed. And I remember Rod had preached a sermon on prayer a while back, and I had already taped up the um, letters pray, and I had P for praise, you know, R for repentance, and A for ask, and Y for yield. They're still on my bathroom mirror, and I remember praying through those so many times, and then knowing that it was okay to ask God, and then I would get a call or email, or someone would give me a card with money in it, and our needs were met over and over and over again, and you know what? That's God. And that's, you know, God did that. God used everybody to bless us, and not just through money. Like, we, I would walk in the door, even now with Mike, he does have a job, praise the Lord. Um, it's, it's paying our bills, and, you know, we're thankful for it, but he's not able to be here every Sunday. He's here today, woo um, Anyway, but I can walk in, and I get a hug from people. I get people asking me, how Mike's doing? You know, how's his job going? That, to me, is the most generous giving, and I love it. I feel loved. I know that I can walk in, be stressed out from getting the kids ready or just tired, or, and I can walk in the door of, those church, of the church, and I get just energized, uplifted, and that's from generous giving of people, just giving themselves. And so I encourage you, just pray about what God would have you to do as a family for yourself, and um test God. Let him show you how good he is and how faithful and loving he is. Thank you. So what are you going to do about what you've heard today? 
How are you going to respond to what God has been speaking to you? There are four things that I would suggest. Because God is a generous God, I will ask God, I'm sorry, praise God for what he has given me. Praise him. Go around your house, look at your bank account, and praise him for what's there. Praise him for what he has given you already. Thank him. Because when you start thanking him, then your focus starts turning in a different direction. Secondly, commit to God to be a good and faithful manager. Make that commitment. Step over that line of faith and say, God, I'm not going to try to be an owner anymore. I'm going to be a good and faithful manager of your resources. Thirdly, ask for his guidance and how to manage his resources. Ask him. The Bible says that if you ask for wisdom, you will receive wisdom. So ask him. Pray for it. Pray to God. How do you want me to use your resources? How do you want me to manage your resources? And God will give you a clear answer. And then lastly, manage God's resources God's way. And the reason I put that one in there is because it's not enough just to ask God for wisdom. You've got to act on what you've asked on and what you've heard. So ask and then do it by managing God's resources God's ways. Friends, God is a generous giver. He has given us so many great and wonderful things. And I pray that you will follow his lead in being a generous giver as well. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you for all the generous gifts that you've given us. And I pray, God, now that you will listen to each of us in our silent prayers as we praise you for what you have given to each of us. And now, Lord, I pray that you will hear us as we make the commitment to be good and faithful managers. And now, Lord, I pray that you will hear our prayers as we ask you for guidance, for wisdom, in knowing how to use your resources. And Lord, I pray that you will now hear us as we commit to doing what we hear, that we will manage your resources your way. Lord, you are to be praised, you are to be glorified, and we do that this morning in Jesus' name, amen.